Well, I know you uh, are aware of who Joe Flacco is, right? I mean, first of all, beginning of the football season, he was sitting at home watching football on TV. Then the quarterback of the Browns got hurt, and they called him in, and then he became the starter. And then at the end of the year, he was the um, comeback player of the year. Y'all all know that, right? And, but you're wondering why I'm bringing that up. Right. Well, I'm going to bring that up because today is a day that is what we call a standalone Sunday. Now, here's why we call it that. We've just finished a uh, sermon series, and next week we're beginning another sermon series in the season of Lent. So this was a standalone Sunday. So that's typically when a pastor who preaches regularly in a venue says, you know what, they probably want to hear somebody else. So uh, Alex decided, hey, I'm going to ask Whitney to come over and preach at West. And he took a little vacation, skiing, so don't feel sorry for him. Um, and then Christy over in the element said, you know, Nanette, uh, who is one of our uh, lay leaders, uh, she's a great speaker. I'll just ask her uh, to preach over in the contemporary service today. And, and Christy said, and I'll do the rest of it, you know, communion, etc." I said, well, listen. Uh, we have Ben Burnside, who works in our conference office, and he comes and works for us for free. I mean, you know, it's the best case scenario. I'll get him to preach. I mean, he's got family here. Uh, they love to hear him preach. I'll just ask him to preach. And all was well until Friday, when um, Chad, who we now call Patient Zero, uh, <laughs> began to share, uh, and Whitney got sick. So she was not able to go to the West Campus. So I learned then, Friday evening, that uh, I needed to send Ben Burnside to the West Campus to preach, which put me in line to come preach here and brought Elizabeth out of the bullpen <laughs> to be the liturgist today. Uh, she is a ministry assistant for the church, does a great job, and you did a great job today, Elizabeth. Thank you for that. Yes. So I'm not promising any comeback of the year kind of thing here. I'm just telling you, I didn't know I was preaching until the last minute. So uh, I did think about calling the sermon today standalone. <laughs> Thank you for laughing. I know it's pity. I know it is. But... Um, then I decided, well, listen, Ben was going to preach on uh, Mark uh, chapter 9, verses 2 through 9, uh, and his sermon title was called Listen to Him. So I said, hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? So that's the sermon title today. That's the scripture. But I just want to say one more point. Occasionally, the bishop will come and visit. Today, our bishop is here. <laughs> Bishop Harvey and Dean, right here, you can wave to us. We're glad you're here today. And I didn't tell that story to say I didn't have much time. No, no. I told that story to say, you came thinking Ben was preaching today, didn't you? <laughs> I'm just kidding. We are glad that you're here today. Well, Bishop, here's one thing that I've been wishing would happen at the churches that I've served forever, and it's not happened yet. I'm dropping this hint not so subtly today, so let's see what happens. 
Ever since, um, I, perhaps ever since I've been in the ministry where I've been in a church that had a nursery and it took a little while for that to happen, just so you know. Uh, and when I would be in those churches and I would go into the nursery and I would see the little children, I always thought, you know, what I would love to have is over the doorway of the nursery, a scripture to put a scripture over the doorway of the nursery so that anybody coming in, as they're about to see those cute little babies, they would see this passage of scripture and it would warm their heart, I'm sure. The scripture is 1 Corinthians 15:51. I know you have it memorized, but just in case. Here's what I want over the doorway of the nursery as you're about to go in. It will say this. Look, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed. <laughs> Any letter writing should go to the trustees that would allow me to have that take place, right? Am I, are we in agreement here? Now, to be truthful, that passage is actually Paul talking to the church in Corinth about what happens when we come to the end of our earthly life and we transition into heaven. He is saying we'll not all die, we'll not all fall asleep, but we'll be changed, we'll be transformed, and this mortal body will put on immortality. We will become eternal. Our soul will go be, to be with God forever and ever and ever. We will not all sleep or die, he was saying, but we will all be changed, transformed. However, I don't think we should wait to the end of our lives to be changed. In my opinion, we should be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit when we open our heart to Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. That is when the change should begin within us and it should show out to the rest of the world. Today is Transfiguration Sunday. It is the day in which we uh, take note of the event in which Jesus took Peter, James, and John, those inner circle of his 12 disciples, and he went to the mountaintop, and there uh, he was joined by Elijah and Moses. And uh, in that event, then Jesus was transformed or transfigured, and he glowed white, and the disciples saw this. And this transfiguration is something significant for us to take a look at on this Sunday that leads us into the season of Lent as we think about how we might change, be transformed by the power of God at work within us. Now, as we lead up to this story of transfiguration, I would point out that this uh, event takes place at the end of Jesus's ministry here on earth. He's been preaching and healing and teaching for three years now, and uh, that kind of is coming to culmination here. And just before the event of transfiguration, uh, he is kind of concluding his ministry in a place called Caesarea Philippi. There you may remember an event that took place also when he kind of gave, a, if you will, a final exam to his disciples when he asked them, who do you say that I am? And they were kind of uh, having difficulty answering that question when suddenly Peter came aware and acknowledged, Jesus, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. 
And Jesus acknowledged that he was correct. And then he began to teach them that he would suffer and die. And this upset Peter. So at one moment he is saying, you're the Christ. Saying, I recognize you to be the Messiah. And in his next breath, he pulls Jesus over to the side. And he rebuked Jesus saying, no, no, we don't want that to happen. And then Jesus rebuked him. He actually said, get thee behind me, Satan. It was as if Peter was trying to take him away from the mission that he came into the world to do, to die for our sins and to set us free. And so he told Peter, get thee behind me. Uh, He rebuked him. So that meeting didn't end in the most positive way, even though it started off pretty good for Peter. It it didn't get so, uh, it didn't have such high ratings there at the end when he rebuked him and then was rebuked by Jesus. Now that event took place, and then we are coming to this story in uh, Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through uh, 9, and it begins by saying six days later, that is six days after the event in Caesarea Philippi. So keep that in mind as we hear this story, and I'll share it with you from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And Jesus, let me get back to where I was because my, uh, my uh, iPad just took off to the end of the sermon and I know that might make you happy, but that's not where we were. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling bright, such as no one on earth might brighten them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us set up three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This is the word of God for the people of God, and we say... Thanks be to God. Again, Jesus has now taken Peter, James, and John to the mountain. And there uh, alongside Jesus was a Moses who represented uh, for the Jewish people uh, the commandments because of the commandments coming through Moses. And there also with Moses and Jesus was Elijah who represented all the prophets. And so as you see Peter, James, and John looking upon that scene, they, their hearts had to be uh, struck by all and wonder as they see before them Moses and all the law and all the understanding of what God desired for them there standing before them Moses the commandments and also Elijah the one who would speak uh, the word of God to the people a prophet who represented all the prophets that God had sent and there was Peter James and John can you imagine what they felt as they were looking upon that Jewish tradition of of the law and of the prophets and then with them was the Messiah 
And Peter has already acknowledged that he understood him to be the Christ. He may not have understood exactly what that meant, but he understood that this was the Messiah. This was Christ. And now before them was the law, the prophets, and the Savior. And Peter, you know, he was nervous and he was afraid. And so he began to talk. Have you ever known anybody that they get nervous and afraid, and so the first thing they do is start talking. <laughs> Y'all usually call them preachers, right? And, um, and, and so that's Peter, right? He just, he just starts talking. He said, oh, Lord, this is, this is so awesome. This is so wonderful. Hey, let's just build a booth. Let's build tents. In other words, let's just stay right here. He wanted to prolong the moment. He wanted to prolong the experience. This is so spiritually fulfilling to to me, he was expressing, and let's just stay right here. And, and really, he's kind of interrupted by God in this scenario because the clouds uh, were there, and through the clouds came the voice, this is my son, my beloved. And then he gave the message, listen to him. He might have been talking to Peter. I suspect he was talking to all three of them. And I further expect he's talking to anyone who would ever be a follower of Jesus. This is my son, my beloved. Listen to him. For if you listen to him, you recognize that being transfigured, transformed on that mountaintop wasn't the fulfillment or the end of his ministry. No, because what took place next was they descended from the mountain and they went back out into the world again. We're a whole lot like Peter, I think, at times, aren't we? We have these spiritual experiences in our lives. We have these opportunities where we draw close to God. It may be uh, sometimes some beautiful piece of music that touches our heart and brings us close to the throne of grace, and we just feel spiritually filled with God's presence, and we don't want that to end. It may happen to us in a worship service when someone is praying or someone is preaching or, or the scripture is being broken open before us and we hear the word of God and somehow through that God speaks directly to our heart and it begins to warm our heart and, and, and we are beginning to be transformed and we feel close to God and we say, I just don't want this to end. You know, I, I am on the board of the community uh, for West Houston, and, and that includes this area of Emmaus. And if you don't know what Emmaus is, it's a, it's a retreat uh, that happens over a weekend, and it is focused on uh, the time in which Jesus, after his resurrection and before his ascension, he is appearing to some of the folks. Uh, and in this particular case, on the road to Emmaus, he is walking with a couple of guys. Uh, they didn't recognize him. They're talking about all the events that happened about Jesus, and he spoke to them. He went and ate with them, and when they recognized him, was when he broke the bread before them and they recognized him and it said he disappeared and they ran back to tell everybody that they had been in the presence of God. That's the, re the retreat weekend is focused on that event, on drawing people to recognize Christ in our presence and to draw us closer to God. And I have seen people that have gone through that weekend and on Sunday when it's time to go home, they say, you know what, nothing, nothing bad about home, but this has been so awesome. I just wish we could keep this up. I, I just feel so close to God here. And yet, just as Jesus and Peter and James and John did, 
You can't stay there on that mountaintop. You've got to go back down into the world. It's so much easier to, to stay close to God, to feel spiritual, to feel God's presence, uh, to feel God uh, filling your heart and, and to feel at peace and to experience that. It's so wonderful that you just want to stay there. But we need to listen to Jesus. And Jesus said, we need to go back down into the world. It may be easier here. It may be more awesome here. It may be where you think you want to be. But Jesus says to go to the uttermost parts of the world, to go out to the people around you, to live your life before your family, before your friends, before your neighbors. You know, it's so much easier to feel spiritual and to uh, feel blessed by those around you when you're surrounded by others who are having that same experience. And then you go back to work and people are talking about, you know, the budget numbers and uh, the work that needs to be done. And or you're back in school and the teachers are telling you you have to study or whatever your experiences in the regular world are. And you go, wow, just for another experience like that mountaintop. But Jesus wants to remind us we don't always live on the mountaintop. In fact, that's not what we're to do. That's not who we are to be as followers of Jesus. We are to be like Jesus, who humbled himself, came to the earth, and lived among us, and shared God's grace and God's truth. When we have those mountaintop experiences, let it be a time to fill us, uh, to fill that tank, if you will, so that when we go back out into the world, we are living off of the Holy Spirit that has filled us once again. And then we're sharing that with others. God said, listen to him. And it was a commandment that we must hear, not with just our physical ears, but rather it needs to be something that allows us to hear with our heart our very being, that we might come humbly before him, that we might surrender ourselves totally to him, and that we might try to grow in our faith and have that attitude every day of our life. Listening to Jesus compels us um, to seek a personal relationship with Christ through prayer, through studying God's word, um, through embracing Jesus' teachings. Uh, it is also uh, certainly um, the activities in which we seek to follow Jesus by loving and serving other people with humility, with compassion, and with grace. Jesus' words and sacrifice, in fact, encapsulate God's ultimate plan of salvation for every person. And that plan includes you and me. And as people have, who have experienced mountaintop moments, we certainly need to hear Jesus' call to go back out into the world and let God's light shine through, through us in our activities, in our words. I love the way that this passage talks about how Jesus was glowing white, uh, his face shone, and even his garments were white. And then it says, as nothing on earth can make them white. I always think of that when I'm watching all these laundry detergent uh, commercials, right? Uh, and I just want to say, oh, but not as white as Jesus can make us, right? That the light of Christ shines through us. I read this illustration, it, it, it's been around a while, but it's appropriate here. It's about a little girl that had been to church with her mama, and after church they were driving home. 
And, and the little girl said, Mom, I was listening to the pastor today. And the mom was shocked. And uh, <laughs> I added that. Um, and she said, uh, and the pastor said something. I, would you help me understand this? She said, absolutely. She said, the pastor said that God is so powerful, so huge. God is so mighty that God can hold the whole world in his hands. Is that correct? And the mother said, yes, that's absolutely correct. The pastor was correct. Then the little girl said, but, but then, then the pastor said that God should live within our hearts. Well, that's correct, too. Well, then the little girl said, well, if God is so big and he's supposed to live in our hearts, shouldn't he show through? And the mother said, yes, that is correct. If God lives within our heart, the brilliance and brightness of his love and his light and his peace and his joy should shine through us, should show through us. We can't hold it to ourselves. We can't build a booth and say, I'm fine right here. Let's just stay in this experience. No, we should let the love of God, the peace of God, the light of God shine through us to the world. So I ask you today, can others see you? And then in seeing you, recognize Christ in you. Do you live your life in such a way that God shines through you into the light into the life of others. For truly, the light of God needs to go to the darkest of places in our world. Today, we see around us so much darkness, a world that lives in darkness and needs God's marvelous light. If we're going to listen to Jesus and abide by what he says, let us go out into the world and let the light of God shine through us to the other people around us, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our communities, and around the world, as we share the good news message of Jesus Christ, who came to transform the world. May it begin within us and then shine through us to others. That's my prayer, friends, for you, for me, for this great church. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, we are grateful for all that you do for us. We're grateful for Jesus Christ, who is indeed the light of the world, who came among us full of grace and truth, and he shines in the, light, in the darkness and provides a light that the darkness cannot overcome. So help us, O oh God, to be the agents that have been transformed by the power of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the light of Christ that shines within us. Help us be the agents then that take that light out into this world. For we pray this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen and amen.